0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Well, I am um, the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, Thanks for being willing to share your morning with us. Uh, Before I share my message today, I just have a couple things I wanted to bring up. Um, So uh, we're doing um, throughout the rest of this month in the first week of uh, June, we're doing a a small group um, on the topic of prayer at my friend Rex and Penny's house. Um, If you haven't got to participate, uh, that is okay. You can you can sneak into this one the last couple weeks or we're going to do another one um, in the summer. I'll bring I'll bring up those dates. But I'd love for you to participate in that. Uh, we're just learning. We're, we're talking about prayer and then practicing it throughout the week um, and just learning to do it better together. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then uh, thank you. I, I brought up to you, my uh, church family, basically a group of pastors that I meet with throughout the year um, that I call Preacher Camp. I brought, up, I brought up last week. I'd love for you to be praying for them. I actually had postcards with uh, their 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 families on the front and their prayer requests on the back, and so all you guys, you know, you 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 took those and you're praying for them. Um, thank you for thank you for being willing to do that. Uh, I'm, that. It's it's meaningful for them when they know that you guys are um, praying for them. Um, and then uh, last, I just wanted to bring up those of you guys who are part of our church family. I'd love to invite you to invest in her. Um, you can do that by going to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. Um, investing in our church, seeing it continue, seeing her become everything we want it to be. We want to see our church grow in, in several ways. Um, I'm going to talk about that more next week, but I, I'd love for you to um, to invest in that vision. Um, so thanks for, thanks for being willing to do that. Uh, I want to pray, um, and then uh, I want to share my message with you for today. So let's pray together. Uh, dear Father, uh, I just want to ask you to... Uh, Accept our lives, the offering of our lives, that we would lay our lives down at your feet for you to do whatever it is that you want to do with them. Teach us how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, some of you know that uh, Lloyd Carr is a former head coach of the University of Michigan football team. Um, if, even if you're a casual friend of uh, of Fan of Michigan football, you, you probably have heard his name before. Um, I've shared with some of you before that um, I once had the opportunity to introduce Coach Carr at an event. Uh, so I was the MC for the event. He was kind of he was the headliner, uh, so I was pretty nervous about doing that. I was pretty nervous about what I should say in my introduction and how it would go. I wanted people to think that my introduction was was good. I wanted, I wanted to kind of wow them with my introduction. Be like, Whoa, that was an amazing introduction. So on the day of the event, I arrive early. I'm going over my nose. You know, I'm super, you know, I just... Super nervous. I just want—I want—I want to be sure to connect with the audience. So I'm talking before the—you know—before the whole event starts. I, I'm talking with one of the audience members um, yeah, about whatever. You know, we're just—we're talking back and forth about this and that. And in mid-sentence, I'm in the mid-sentence of—you know—talking to this guy. This guy runs away from me, and I'm like, you know, do I stink or you know what? It's just... Coach Carr had arrived in the build, in the building and he was running up to coach car to be, be sure that, uh, he had a chance to talk with, talk with him. I was highly offended by that. Uh, nothing to do with me, of course. Uh, but yeah. you would think you would think at that point in the morning, I would have a better understanding of what my role was for the event. Um, but I didn't. Um, so, uh, I went up to intro Coach Carr, hoping to be clever and memorable. And you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You already know this, right? Nobody cares what I had to say. No one was there to see me. They weren't. They 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 didn't. They didn't want to hear me talk. Um. They, you know. They they were they were there to see Coach Carr. They were there, you know, I was, I was supposed to be the headliner. I was supposed to be introducing the headliner and I was supposed to be like, you know, the, I don't know, the hype man or the introducer. Um, and I think about, when I think about that, I think about uh, what would I have done different? What would I have done different about what I said or, you know, how I prepared if I understood and I embraced that my role was the introducer the headliner instead of being so busy trying to, you know, make people remember me. Like, maybe I would have researched Coach Carr, like, you know, researched his career, or, you know, talked about what a great coach he was, you know, or talked about what a good man he is, you know. Maybe I would have done any number of those things that I didn't do. I was preoccupied um, with being memorable. And I spend much of my, you know, you guys know this, you know, I spend much of my life trying to be the headliner of my life, but what's worse, I don't want to be the headliner of your life. Um, And it's a shame because I get in the way of what God is doing in his kingdom. Uh, So author author and speaker Beth Moore says it this way. She says, I think God cannot bring the kingdom increase to our harvest that he desires until our egos decrease. Every one of us, until life pummels us into knowing better, is drawn to things that feed our flesh and make us feel smart or important or right or attractive or that's most envied. And, and clearly, clearly, there's nothing wrong with feeling smart or but when feeling smart or feeling like I'm the when that becomes my goal then all of a sudden I I do silly things like trying to steal the spotlight from the headliner. Uh, I think this is why, you know, this is why one of my my favorite historical characters is this guy named John the Baptist. Um, And today, you know, as a part of our Matthew series, I I want to tell you why. So, you know, first... You know, some of you, guys, maybe you don't know who John the Baptist is. John's the son of Jewish parents. His father was a priest. Um, an ancient historian named Luke tells us that John wasn't born until his parents were very old. Um, they'd been praying for a child, and they weren't able to have one up to that point. So then one day, an angel comes to them and says this. He comes to, uh, to, to John's father. His name is Zechariah, and says... And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. You are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So before John's born, there's all this definition about who he's supposed to be. You know, so first, his name is John, so you don't get to pick. Um, which I think is really interesting. Um, he's going to be a joy, and he's going to be a delight in the sight of the Lord. Um, he can't drink any alcohol. Um, he's going to turn people's hearts toward, uh, toward the Lord, make people prepared or ready for the Lord. Um, so let me ask you to think about this. Um, and again, those of you guys who don't know who John is, you know, maybe I, you know, this may not be clear to you, but like, do you think that John ever had any doubts about who he is, who he was? Do you ever think he ever wondered? Do you ever, do you ever think that, I'm sure his parents told him over and over again when the angel told us you were going to be a joy and a delight, so behave and do you, Do you think he ever thought, I, I don't want to be a joy. I don't want to be. Do you ever think that he said, you know, it would be kind of cool if I could just go out with my friends and have some drinks. Was there ever a moment when he said, you know, what I wouldn't give to just be normal. Just, I just want to be a regular kid doing, it would have been very challenging. It would have been very challenging to have someone lay out for you before you're even born. Here's what, you, here's what you're going to do in life and here's what you're going to be in your life. Some of your parents have tried to do this for you and you hate it. John, this happens to him. And here's what I want you to consider. I'd love for you to think about this. I'd love for you to think about this. Before John is born, God has a specific plan for John the Baptist he, before, before he's born. Is it possible that God had a specific plan for you before you were born? Is it possible that God had a super specific plan for you before you were born? So, I'd love for you to think about that in real life, not just... I know sometimes I ask questions like that and you don't really think about it very much and we just go on with our message. I'd love for you to really think about, is that true? Did God have a plan or a specific thing for you to do on this earth? Despite the difficulty of being, having to be John the Baptist and everything that comes with it, John agrees, he submits, and it's a kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of death, it's a kind of death to himself. When Matthew introduces John to us, he says this, he says, this is, is he? This John. This is he who is spoken about through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness: "Prepare the way for the Lord; make straight the path for him." This is a prophecy from a preacher named Isaiah about John, and then this is also obviously this is exactly what the angel said about John. So they're piling up on John, um, and here's the gist. This is the gist: John, you're not the headliner. You're not the headliner. You're just the warm-up act. You're just the MC. You're just the hype man. You're here to get everybody amped up or get everybody ready for the one that we've been waiting for. And John gets it. John gets it. He's not as like, he's not as thick as I am. Like he, he gets what he's doing here. Um he gets what his role is. Listen to this, he says. This is um, from from a different it's not from Matthew's from, from the book of John, which okay, let me I'm not gonna talk about that. Uh, <laughs> This is, this, is, this, this, is, this is a story about who John thinks he is. Now, this was John's testimony. This is what John says. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Who are you, John? He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the headliner of this show. I'm not the headliner. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the big deal. Then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they they said, who are you? (laughs) Give us the answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? This is a great question. That's a great question that, you know, we, we are typically unprepared to answer. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And I want you to, I want you to put this in your mind and embrace it. He's repeating what the angel has said to his dad, what Isaiah has said in the past. He's saying, I submit to it. I embrace it. I'm taking that on. That is my role. That is my job. That's who I am. I agree. And when we read it here, we think, oh yeah, that's nice. But, but he had to go through this death to become cool with this, to say, when people ask me, he says, yep, that's what I am. That's who I am. I agree. And that clarity about who he is is incredible and let me, let me ask you, just think about this. Do you think that John ever wanted to be the headliner? Of course he did. Of course he did. But he said, no, I'm the voice of the one. I'm that one person in the desert saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And, 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 and John's expression of who he is comes out in other ways, too. I love this. I love this. I, love, I want you to think about this. Listen to this. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. And he had a leather, leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. And Because it's like an ancient book, maybe when you read this, you're like, hmm, and you keep on going. Um, we have a very, very little bit of information about who John is, rel- you know, relatively. I mean, we've got a ton of information about people like Jesus and Moses. And, but like, we've got very, very small amount of information about who John is. So why do we need to know what he's wearing? Why do we need to know what he's wearing and why do we know what he had for dinner? So let let me have you think about it like this. So if you were on vacation or you were out of town and you heard some life-changing message, you were at some church and it was just super compelling and you heard heard a message that just, you felt like changed your life. And you came up to me and you said, Daryl, I heard this message that was so incredible. It was life-changing. And the question I asked you was this. I said, what was the pastor wearing? You would be like, why are you... Why are you asking me that? Who cares? I'm trying to tell you, I had this life-changing moment. John is here to introduce the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So why do we care what he's wearing? Why, why, why do we need that information? In the moment of history, and John's introducing uh, the Lamb of God, his clothing, <laughs> in which you, I mean, you know, pretty clear. It's just his simple food, his simple clothing, and his simple lifestyle is intentional. It's a visual protest against having to be the headliner in his life, against self-indulgence. I mean, it's a visual, and again, he, he, clearly he's not saying everybody has to do this, but he's, he's protesting against our tendency to make it about us. Uh, John's protest is is a protest. It's like against the tendency for me to never ask, you know, how much is too much? Matthew includes John's clothing as a physical example of something that Jesus says later um, in Matthew's gospel. He said later, Jesus says this. He says, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is is life not more than food or the body more than clothes? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When you you read this, when you see this, you think John embodies this? (laughs) Let me know you're eating locusts and honey and you're walking around with a camel on yourself. Clearly, this is not his problem, this is not his struggle. He's he's trying trying to be this extreme, way over example to the rest of us. Listen to me. There's something more important than food and clothing. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is coming. And he wants to wear something and eat things that, that make us pause. Think about that. He says, I want everything in my life. I want what I eat, what I drink, what I wear. I want everything to scream one name, Jesus. Jesus. I want everything in my life to say, I'm the voice of the one in the wilderness saying, make straight the way of the Lord. That's John's, that's John's message. But I, I want to say, and this is, this is, that's John's message for his life. That's John's message for his life. I want to I I go into what it means, what he means by that. So think about this. Think about this for, for just a second. How do you prepare for the arrival of guests at your home? How do you prepare for the arrival of guests? I mean, and we could we take food off the table. You're not even going to feed them. How do you prepare for the arrival of guests at your home? Cleaning. Because <laughs> you, you clean. And here's why. Here's why. You don't want them to think, oh my goodness. You clean your house. John is saying, I'm, I want you to prepare for a guest that's coming. John's message is prepare for the arrival of Jesus. This message is, is, a, is, a, is a message of confession and repentance. So listen to this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So when you're willing to admit that you're not the headliner of your own life, it makes space for repentance. Um, it feels like you know you should, me, I should be the headliner of my life. You should be the headliner of your own life. But when you are willing to admit that you're not the headliner of your own life, it makes space for repentance. Repent, change your mind, think differently about your life, about your sins, about you being, you being the, the boss of everything. Um, you change your, your conduct because Jesus Christ is on the way. He's on the way. And, and, and don't, don't misunderstand me about this part though. Let me do so when we clean up our house before you know we we show up at each other's houses, we do it so you you know we won't feel judged or we won't be embarrassed or we won't, you know, I won't you guys won't leave my house and be like, oh Daryl, man, he don't he's stinky and he left he left his socks all over. I'm afraid that you'll walk away thinking terribly of me. When you're preparing for the arrival of Jesus, it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with not being judged by him or looked down by on him, it's nothing to do with it. It's That's not why, that's not what's happening with Jesus. Jesus is coming and we clean house and we repent because we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it when he shows up. And here's the thing, here's the thing. When you are so busy being the headliner of your own show in your own life, we miss it, we miss it. He's wanting to come and Jesus, he wants to come and uh, we don't want to be with him. We're too busy being the headliner of our own lives. You miss it. You miss it. When you're, he- when, you're- when you're the headliner, you can't be corrected either. So um, sadly, I saw uh, just this past week, Tina Turner passed away. Um, if you don't know who Tina Turner is, uh, she's a musician, a performer, entertainer um, for, you know, very long time. Um, I once heard her do an interview um, about performing with Elton John. And if you know anything about Tina Turner and Elton John, they had bad blood between them, just lots of tension. Um, so Tina Turner talked about they were practicing together for to, to do a performance, um, and she thought Elton had played something wrong. So she went over to his piano, and she said, Oh, I think it goes like this. And she said that he, you know, again, this is, this is her, her version of the story. She said, Elton John told her, don't you ever tell me how to play my piano again. And he walked off the stage. That's bad behavior. Headliners cannot be corrected, right? When, when you insist on being a headliner, you can't be corrected. But being willing to repent, or being willing to, to change the way we think, we it makes space, makes space for Jesus. Certainly, makes space for each other, but makes space for Jesus. So, uh, I want to talk about that just more in just a second. John says this. He says, "Don't just repent, but produce." fruit in keeping with repentance. And what John is saying here is, don't, don't just feel bad. Don't just change your thinking. Um, he's saying, change your life. Give evidence that, you, that you're going to be different. So the people ask John, when he's, when he's doing all these messages, they say, John, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? I, can, I hear what you're saying, but what do you want us to do? John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Pause. 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 If we did what John said, just in that two, those two senses, anybody who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. He's, he's, I love that every person that comes up to me says, listen, this is what you should do. And here's what you should do. Everyone should share what they have. Maybe, um, maybe these things that John lists here are the fruits of repentance. This is what repentance looks like for these different groups of people and I love I love how they're different for each person. Um so do you have more than you need share with somebody who's in need. If you're in a position of power, don't use your position for self-indulgence. Don't use your position to, to mainstay, ma- maintain your role as a headliner. Seek first the kingdom of God. So in, in real life, sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I, I try to be honest with myself about what would I have said or how would I have responded. And I think that in real life, most of us wouldn't have responded very well to John's message of confession and repentance. Um, and, and, and if you think that you would have responded well to John's message, think of this, think of this in your mind. What happened the last time someone approached you about something that you had done wrong? The last time someone in your life, maybe, maybe your mom, maybe your spouse, they were approaching you about, hey, here's something that I think that you're not doing. How did you respond to that? And maybe that would give you a good picture of how you'd respond to John's message. Because it's the same message. Repentance, confession. Hey, I've got something to bring up against you. When it comes to being corrected about anything, like trivial things, like you made a wrong turn, or you said that person's name wrong, you hate it, so we're not even talking about anything that hits close to home. We respond more like this. We respond more like this. Um, John's doing the, repesh- the, the repentance and confession thing to, to everyone. And so he does this to a guy named Herod, um, called Herod. He found fault with Herod, the ruler of Galilee, because of his marriage to Herodias. She was the wife of Herod's brother. John also spoke strongly to Herod about all the other evil things he had done. So Herod locked John up in prison. Herod added this sin to all his others. So I'm going to do a quick explanation of this. Uh, So Herod the Great is king of Judah or Judea when Jesus is born. Um, That is not the Herod mentioned here. Um, Herod is more like a title. Um, it is, is like king or pharaoh. So the Herod great, the Herod that's mentioned here is called uh, Herod Antipas. So let me try to clarify. I want to try to lay it out here. So Herod the Great is the father of Herod Antipas. Um, and Herod the Great has you know he has many wives. Uh, so during that time, it's pretty common for a king to have a ton of wives. Um, so. He ends up, Herod the Great has many children who are half siblings to one another. So Herod the Great is the guy who's king when Jesus is first born. And then he has this child with one of his wives named Herod Antipas. And that's who John was talking to. So for today, I want to highlight three of Herod the Great's sons. Um, Herod the Great had a son named Aristobulus. Um, He had a son named Philip and he had a son named Antipas. Each of those guys are half-siblings. Aristobulus has a daughter named Herodias. So Herod the Great feared. Herod, some of you guys know that Herod the Great, he could be a little paranoid. So Herod the Great thought that his son Aristobulus was you know, going to betray him, so he has him killed. And Herod the Great takes... Aristobulus's daughter, Herodias, and gives that daughter to Philip. Not as a daughter, though. As a wife. That's pretty fun. So, they have a child named Salome. Several years later when Antipas comes to visit his half-brother Philip, he falls in love with Herodias, his niece. And Herodias divorces Philip uh, and Antipas divorces his wife. And then they leave to go to Galilee and they take Salome with them and they live happily ever after. Until John shows up. (laughs) And John is like, what in the world are you guys doing? This is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. You guys have behaved terribly. There is actually a specific verse in Leviticus that the Jews have to, that's specifically about marrying your brother's wife, let alone your niece. Um, just, just whack. And so John gets involved and he's like, you guys are doing stupid stuff. And, and again, they're, they're, they're obviously clearly, there are people, that are they're powerful. But his message is a message of repentance. Repent because the kingdom. He's not just saying, hey, you guys are really terrible people. He's saying, listen, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent. Make this right. And instead of accepting correction, they have John put in prison. And eventually, you, some of you know, they have him killed. They have him canceled permanently. So we are typically not in the position to put anyone in prison. And I pray that we would never kill anyone. But we absolutely love to cancel and block and avoid and mm, anybody, anyone who's trying to convict us of anything. I like like to think that I love John the Baptist, but the first time he came at me with repentance and confession and trying to, you know, I'll be like, dude, you better... Repentance and confession are how we prepare the way for the Lord. So when when John is face-to-face with Jesus, Jesus has some expectations of who, you know, John's supposed to be. And John has some expectations of who Jesus is supposed to be. And when they end up face-to-face, they don't agree. John has some ideas about who Jesus is and what Jesus has to do. Jesus has some ideas about how, what John needs to do, and, and they, they get face to face, and they don't agree about how it's gonna go down. They don't agree. So, what do you think about this? What do you do when you come up against a place when Jesus wants something in your life, but you don't see eye to eye with him? Jesus comes to John, and he asks to be baptized by John. And John says, Heck no, I'm not doing that. I, what, me baptize you? I need, I need to be baptized by you. I shouldn't be I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus says, you're wrong. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I want to show you what, what happened when, John, when John's confronted by Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to this. So good. John tried to stop him and said, tried to stop Jesus. He said, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus answered him, this is the way it has to be now. This is the proper way to do everything that God requires of us. Then John gave in to him. Then John gave in to him. Let me ask you this Is that what you do? That's not what I do. Me and Jesus would have had a fist fight right there in in, in front of everybody. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I don't like to give in. I don't like to lose. Um, and the words, of, the words giving in make me think of losing. Well, Let me tell you something that you know, you know intuitively but probably don't, you know, you're like me, you, can, you don't feel it. Giving in to Jesus isn't losing. It's the best kind of winning there is. John has built a life of giving in saying, okay, let's do it. Prepare the way of the Lord. I want to confess and repent and make way for you to come. I was listening to a book um, describing a revival, church growth. The church spent all this time in prayer. And so what everyone observed was all this time that the church had spent in prayer. And so they thought that prayer was what had Sparked this revival. And so when the, the members of the church were interviewed, they said, Tell us, you know, how did you guys decide that prayer was going to be the spark this revival? And the, and the, the members of the church said, No, 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 no. Prayer isn't what sparked the revival, it was confession and repentance. In just a few minutes, um, we're going to take communion together. Uh, What if we use this time to make straight or prepare the way for the Lord in our lives? What would happen what would happen if this group of people who are, who are in this room right now, the stream didn't work today, so it's just us. What would happen if this group of people said, I'm going to take this time. It's not, it's not, even, going to be, it's not even going to be more than six minutes probably, but I'm going to take this time to make straight and prepare the way for the Lord in my life. And here's how we do it. Confessing and repenting. And if you don't think that you have anything to confess of or repent, just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, during that time, Holy Spirit, would you show me? Would you show me if there's anything I need to confess or repent of? And when he corrects you, will you give in to him? Will you give in to him? And then, and then would you, will you produce fruit in keeping with repentance, sharing what you have, making things right with anybody you've hurt or or taken advantage of, refusing to be the headliner in your own life, but insisting on making Jesus the headliner. You are the voice of the one calling out to everyone, make straight or prepare the way of the Lord What would happen? What would happen if during this time of communion all of us in this room did that? Let's pray together. Dear Father, uh, You know that it's always on my heart to see our our church grow. But usually it's because I want to be the headliner. I wanna find a way to make this about me. But what you intend is to grow us spiritually. and relationally. And most certainly, if we do that, we would grow numerically. So what I want to ask you to do through us, with us, right now, is help us to prepare the way of the Lord in our hearts, in our lives right now by repenting and confessing anything, any way that we've insisted on our own way. Everybody's got something different that you know that I don't need to know. But I pray that you'd bring it up to us in these few moments. And then, uh, Help us to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Whatever that thing is that we need to make right. Help us to produce fruit that's in connection with it. That proves, proves that we want to do different, we want to live different. I pray that you would, uh, the Holy Spirit, bring that to us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for being here. Um, one last thing before you leave. Uh, if the Lord's bringing up something to you for, to repent of, um, uh, confess, let me encourage you to not just keep it to yourself. Have, is there someone in your life that you could say this out loud to, say, hey, man, during communion, I feel like the Holy Spirit brought this up to me. Say it to somebody else. Say it out loud to somebody else. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm always afraid to say it out loud to somebody else is that then it's like real now. <laughs> you know they go, "I'm, like, I'm going to mess it up in front of that person um, and continue to to do the thing that uh, I don't want to do anymore." Bring it up to someone else. Um, yes. Uh, let me uh, let me have us end with this. Um, this is our prayer that your love, that your love for God and for each other may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father. Have a great day.